welcome everybody to the Magic Beans podcast. We are back again for episode number 164. I'm your host tonight, and my name is Shorty, and I have just one bean on the line again in the form of Cracker. How's it going, mate? Good, mate. Back again. Back you again. You're, you're the uh, you're the like consistent, stable person on the podcast these days. I have been for a while, yeah. I was thinking this week, I was like, oh, maybe I'll take a week off. Like, I've done a run. And then Chewie's like, oh, I'm in the city for work. And he's like, all right, I guess we're in. <laughs> I don't mind. Always happy to talk about magic and chat with you, mate. Oh, that's good. Which which one's more enjoyable, talking about magic or chatting with me? Chatting with you. <laughs> okay, cool. That is the that is the correct answer. Well done, Cracker. I'm, I'm not going to mute the rest of your audio. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the funniest podcast ever. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's been quite a while since we've had uh, more than two of us on an, on an mm. episode, I think. I can't even remember when the last one was. But anyway, we went from like having too many people on the podcast and yeah, now, now we're down to just two most of the time. But anyway, it's still good fun. And like you said, it is always good to be talking about magic. And uh, I do enjoy chatting with you as well, Cracker. So it, oh, is, you, it is mutual. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, we're a bit almost light on, I think, this week. Like, there's not a ton going on in the world of magic at the moment, but there's a couple of things coming up which we'll be talking about. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, before we get into that, we do have a, uh, a sponsor shout-out. I'm going to do the sponsor shout-out this week, Craig, because I, I basically it. never do it. Actually, I do it on the stream, mm. which, is a, which is a weekly thing, but I, I never do it on the podcast. So, I'm going to do it this week, seeing as I received a, a very lovely box of goodies from Pat recently <laughs> that... Uh, I will be giving away over the next few weeks. But, uh, yeah, Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. They are the sponsors of the Magic Beans podcast for, what, three? This is the third year that Pat's mm. been sponsoring us. It's been, it it's been a long time. It's been a very good relationship. But it's uh, it's good. I mean, I can't certainly can't complain about it because they are a very good s- system set up. Like, everything about what Pat does is just top notch. You know, the from the listings going up every single night with auctions or the uh, the win it now lots every single night without fail. Even when he's on holidays or you know it's Christmas and all sorts of stuff, he's always putting things out there. To you know the giveaways that he does for the community to sponsoring us, it's just it's just all good. So if you haven't already checked them out, go to jpmdgbazaar.com.au, take you straight to the Facebook group. And then you can click join and then start bidding on stuff, particularly things that you see either a Matthew Bowman or a mm-hmm. Chris Paulson are bidding mm-hmm. on. Yep. Definitely bid on those things. Just just bump just, those bids right up. Yeah, just buy a dollar, right? They'll, they'll know what you're doing. It's it's great. <laughs> yep. But yeah, def- just- definitely good. Go and check them out. And uh, yeah, when you do win something, let them know the bean sent you so that Pat continues sponsoring us and we can keep giving things back to you guys it's uh that's the way the world works so it is thanks pat all right thank you pat i think i kind of messed that sponsorship read up a little nah, bit no nah, it was fine it's all good yeah i mean we don't actually have an ad read you know a script or anything like that no it's just the top just like the rest of the podcast <laughs> whoa what are you talking about you're saying this isn't a finely practiced <laughs> well-oiled machine uh, yeah no there's definitely a few podcasts that i listen to where it's like yeah you're like you're really scripted in what you do and, and it comes across Mm. in being scripted you know one person says this one person says that whatever and then there's other podcasts where it's like i'm pretty sure you've scripted this but you do such a good job of Mm. like not making it sound like it's scripted and then 
there's us who just then there's us literally make it up yeah. as we go. Correct. <laughs> Look, at least this week we didn't actually hit like the join Discord button and say what are we talking about. Like we actually knew in advance by at least an hour. Yes, yes. <laughs> there, there was it was like four thirty this afternoon when it was like what are we talking about tonight? Yeah. Anyway, too much behind the scenes information here. Pod, we- uh, pod- <laughs> podcast man, wow. <laughs> Cracker. We're talking about the Pro Tour. That's what we're talking about, Shorty. We are, yes, yes. So, we do have Magic Con Minneapolis coming up in uh, a week and a half's time. So, this is <laughs> these are the big Magic events that they do these days. They do sort yep. of a few per year, but I think they're all in the States. Uh, mostly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I, th- yeah, I think there's one the in Europe things. later in the year, but I think that the first two or three are going to be in the States. But, yeah, they're, okay. they're like the- Super PTs with like, yeah, MagicCon attached them. So there's like commander events and like a whole bunch of side events, cosplays, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, like it'd be something that would be really cool to go to. Like just go and experience the f- full weekend of, yeah, not just playing Magic but being involved in all the stuff. You weren't there, mm. Cracker, but years ago they had a GP in Melbourne that Chewie and I went to. It was when uh, it was Eldrazi Winter when I played Doran. Against the uh, the Eldrazi Tide, and I made day two of the GP playing Doran. Nice. Thanks to Chewie's, what's that? Is it a GP top eight, whatever the fancy Doran is that he's got? It's very cool, the full mm. art one. But uh, they had, I think that was Shadows Over Innistrad, and they had like a a escape room set up. And they had, you know, yeah, people so walking around in cosplay that. and there was this cool escape room and, and, like, it was actually really well done. And that was that was actually the first escape room I'd ever, ever done. So, that was cool. But, yeah, like, they used to be big events like that. And, and that's sort of what I picture when you, like, something like a Magic Con. There'd just be stuff everywhere, like going to a convention, you know, like we've got DreamHack, I think, on this weekend in Melbourne. It actually. is. Yep. Yeah, that, that sort of thing where you've got panels and, you know, you can go and – see the famous Magic players and go and see, you know, Mark Ro- Rosewater Ooh. walking around. And but, yeah, there's, like, sort of artist galleries and they yeah. have, like, people doing signings and, like, all, all that sort of stuff. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll probably never get to go and go to one because they're not going to do one in Australia. There's not enough no. people here, but it, uh, it would be cool to go to. But coinciding with it is mm. the Pro Tours. They, they are running those uh, alongside each of these Magic Cons, and we've got mm-hmm. Pro Tour March of the Machines. So... What's happening on this one? There's a lot of money is what's happening on this one. Mm. So, they're still seeding the PTs in this new system. So, they're actually smaller than they have been in the past. We're not up to the 400 players that will get to that as they kind of have more people who are getting reinvited. But this one, they're expecting about 250 players, I think. Um, but the price pool is half a million dollars. 500 grand. That's not bad. You get 250 players, 500 grand prize pool. I think these are like the Pro Tours are like the- Fifteen hundred bucks for just showing up, sort Turning of thing. Up. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. Seems good to me. Um, but yeah, it's going to be draft and standard in paper because paper magic is the best. It certainly is, and we got coverage all weekend. Uh, I think you and I were actually on the podcast after the most recent one, and we were talking about how good the uh, the coverage was. They sort of stepped it up a notch, and uh, yeah, they killed it. Yeah, re- really did a good job. They were doing the like pre-recording the matches or or recording the matches and, and streaming them sort of on delay so they could jump between matches, no worries, but also jump from game one to game two. You didn't have all the downtime of sideboarding yeah. and shuffling and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, 
I'm assuming it will be exactly the same this time, and, and that was great. Like, I watched heaps of, of that coverage, and I'll definitely be looking forward to this again. Although, the last one was Pioneer, which was much more enjoyable. This one is, as you said, standard, which is, is standard. the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a thing. It's yep, a thing. Yep. But, yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I, one of the things I used to hate was, like, going, oh, I've got a bit of time. I'll sit down and watch some PT. And then it's like- We'll be back in 25 minutes. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, like, what are you doing? Like, I, that's that's how much time I have to watch the PT. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have seven hours to sit here and watch. But, yeah, now it's all condensed. It just makes it a much more enjoyable viewing experience. So, yeah. looking forward I to that. I think the last one, the longest I saw was like a two-minute. Like, mm. we'll be back in two minutes. And then it came back to – and even if it was just going back to – the news desk with Maria yep. and a couple of other people, Cedric and someone else, it was like they were talking about the match or they were talking about a deck list or, or whatever. There was just always something on mm-hmm. and they would just use those really short breaks to transition between things. Yeah, and that they was just it, swatch coverage yeah, teams like and those, stuff like that. Those 20-minute downtimes, goodness me. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> way to lose all your viewers. And, and yeah, yeah sucks, <laughs> sucks the most when that's the only time you've got to watch. <laughs> yeah, it does, it does. Yep, yep. So, yeah, we will get deck lists for this event but they don't release them until they've actually started playing so they i I believe the event itself is open deck list like you Mm -hmm. you share your deck list with your opponent uh, and then they will publish the full deck lists after round four starts so that is there's three rounds of draft on day one and then round four is the first round of standard so as soon as that round starts so we now know all the players are sitting down they're playing their matches they've already seen their opponent's deck lists then they release the um the actual deck list so it does mean you know you you don't have them in advance we don't get to talk about them in advance but it kind of it stops people from being able to you know 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 in advance what people are playing and start testing against them and and all that sort of stuff so yeah it's kind kind of a good way to do it yeah it is but it also frees up the fact that like people who are not on large teams or have that advantage of you know scouting used to be a massive thing back in the day where you'd go and work out what one of the teams was on and, you know, be ready for that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's um, the open deck lists and, and having everything publicly available is just good. Like, yep. I, I know that some people don't like it in terms of what it does to the metagame and the way people play, but it feels like it's the most fair. It's just the, the, the most even. It doesn't advantage yeah. anyone for or disadvantage anyone for being like their first PT and <laughs> yep. not knowing what's going on, right? Yeah, it puts everyone on a on a even playing field yeah, rather exactly. than yeah having the pro teams that have their friends getting around scouting, mm-hmm. and, yeah, seeing what people are on, and or the uh, the max punished scenarios that used to happen when teams would have their their deck done as a deck tech mm. <laughs> in like round mm-hmm. four or something, and and the deck tech would give away all the secrets of the deck and. Uh, yeah, there was the the, the blue green Khan list oh, yeah. in standard a, a few years ago. That was uh, look one of those I think, ones. I think those guys just like to go. Oh, it was the fact that our deck was released. Yeah, it's like, yeah, nah, yeah. guys, your deck was the hot fact garbage. Deck was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that was. Yeah, yeah, I never never quite understood how they ended up on that deck because no, like that that was like LSV and yeah, it was Team Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure oh. that they uh, I think that's a result of the like inbred house testing where mm-hmm. you get stuck in this feedback loop and it's like oh no no this like this is what people are going to be playing and this is the deck that beats all those decks and then you bring it to the day and it's like no one's playing the decks that we thought mm-hmm. we're going to get played and now our decks four sucks. levels too far yep 
uh, that's all right. So we should get a, a metagame breakdown. Normally, Frank Carsten does a full metagame breakdown a couple of days before because uh, they do have the decks submitted, I think, mm-hmm. like four or five days prior to the event. So they'll do a metagame breakdown. They'll release that. So we'll get to see what the percentages are. We'll, we'll see if there's any spicy uh, decks in the meta, but you, we won't actually get to see the deck list until the day. But, yeah, should be a lot of fun. That's uh, yeah, on, on in a week and a half, the weekend of the 5th or 6th of May is the, uh, the weekend for that. And it starts starts on a Friday in the States, so Saturday coverage for us. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday, uh, mm-hmm. top eight, which is cool. Yeah, the usual thing. Alright, so we thought we would have a look at all new, brand new, exciting standard. There are so many new things. <laughs> so many new archetypes. Yep, yep. <laughs> so there's this card, Shorty. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Ah, uh, yes. I seem to remember purchasing four of them from Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. Oh, good choice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've got the challenge results, which is their big events. They run on MTGO. Uh, from kind of the last week. And, I mean, it's not exactly the most diverse, should we say? <laughs> it's a it's, whole lot of mid-range. <laughs> it, I mean, yeah, it is. And it is not unexpected. It's not to everyone's taste. Obviously, like, a bunch of mid-range super is definitely not my favourite. There are some decks in here that are kind of cool and doing some interesting things. So, I don't know, maybe we'll just run through the top eight. Yeah. And we can sort of dig into to some of the other things that are going on. So, there's Jeskai Control, Rakdos Reanimator, Rakdos Midrange, Jeskai Control, Grixis Midrange, Rakdos Midrange, Mono Blue Tempo. Let's go. Uh, and then we've got Grixis Midrange and then, I mean, Rakdos Esper, Mono Red in 11th, Four Color Midrange in 12th. So, yeah, there's a real theme here. It is red, black- <laughs> Red decks, red based mid range, red based mid range. (laughs) I mean, yeah, the the control deck is nineteen spells, three wandering emperors, and some interesting cards like the Chrome Host Seed Shark. Oh, we spoke about that one on the uh, preview cast. Yeah, yeah, it's actually yeah, it's seeing a little bit of play, which is kind of cool. That's the it's a three mana two four, and whenever you cast a non creature spell, you incubate X, where it's the X spells mana value. Uh, and they're playing a Zergo, Zergo and Ojitai, which is cool. Yeah, got some spicy new cards. Hmm. So, no, it's look, I mean, we, we joke about the fact that there's nothing new. There actually is. There's a bunch of, like, new cards, but there's not a lot that's kind of... It didn't flip the format on its head. No, which is kind of what you would expect. Like, we've had... Yes. We've had a mid-range-based format for what three sets now like yes it's it's been quite a while that it's been this way so unless you're really getting some super powered cards in different archetypes you know in the aggro archetype or the control archetype or there's a crazy combo that comes out or something like that like it's it's just gonna tend towards mid-range it's it's also you know we're talking very early days in the format so you know we could see a a bit of a more diverse meta at the pro tour but i think it's i think it's unlikely yeah it's yeah yeah i I agree but yeah it's it's also we're at we're at the last set in standard so we will have rotation with the next set that releases which we figured out just before the podcast the next standard set doesn't release until september so that's Which a long time. Is insane because we are still yes. in April. Yes, I, we're in I, April. St- 
I know you've told me that like four times. I'm still not quite <laughs> wrapping my head around it. <laughs> yeah. We have the Aftermath releasing in two weeks, the 12th yes. of May. Mm-hmm. But then that's it. We, we get nothing new in standard until September, uh, which is when we will see rotation. So, you know, we'll yeah. talk about that then. But we, we will be losing, you know, Fable and Bankbuster and, and all those sorts of cards from, from Kamigawa. So, we're going to see... Oh, like the whole top end of the power level of standard just be gone out of, out of the picture, and the, as well as having a new Eldraine set. I was going to say, yeah, yeah Eldraine <laughs> is the set that's coming in though, surely. Yeah, so, like, uh, so who who knows what what that's going to mean? Like we we may have Oko two point but- <laughs> Yeah, it costs two mana this time. <laughs> <laughs> exact same and abilities. It's a plus three. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear, who would not be surprised? But yeah, so it's it's not surprising to see standard look the way it is at the moment. Yeah, but hundred percent. Yeah, I, I guess just strap in for that for the next five months, six, nearly six months. Oh dear. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, I've actually been watching. I was saying to you, I've been watching a, a bit of like Magic the last week or so. Um, been watching Croaky Stream and some other stuff, and. There's some interesting things that you can do. Like, I mean, it's kind of the core decks are still, like, the same. They, you kind of have, like, just that Rakdos kind of base for so many things. Like, there are just too many efficient cards in, like, Blood Tithe Harvester and, you know, Fable and Cutdown and Shieldred and, you know, like, Bankbuster and all those kinds of things. Like, there's just this kind of core set of- like 20 cards that are like some of the best things to be doing. And then it's like, well, what do I want to splash with that? Do I want to, do you want to just kind of stick to red black? Do you want to go Grixis? You know, do you want to go like Mardu? Or then you go the other way and you look at like the mono white kind of builds where they're doing the mid range thing. There seems to be less of that. Actually there was, there was a mono white, like Atali deck that Chewie played against the other night on stream. So mono white Atali. Well, it wasn't quite mono white. It was Boros, I guess, but it was like base mono white, and then yeah, it had like Atalis at the top end because I, I guess they just wanted to dino some people out. <laughs> yeah, well, there's actually a list of that here. Yeah, it's in uh, what's that twentieth place? Lavanga. That's uh, that's a dude who won. He won one of the Mythic Invitationals, I think. Can't remember there you what his go. name is. Yep. But yeah, it's just a bunch of it's, it's just mono white mid range, but then just has three Atalis. Yeah, it's fine. You've got ambitious farmhand to go find your lands. It's yeah, and Fable you makes treasures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. so yeah, it's the games are complicated. Like even though it's a pattern that we've seen a lot, like the games are actually because I'm not playing them, they don't seem like the worst thing ever. Like there's there's actually a lot of lines and, and thinking through kind of what can happen is is not terrible. Yeah, I mean, which is it, what it, you get in mid range. Like that's correct. Like often, you know, you talk like Brad Nelson type people, like Reed Duke, Mike Sigris, mm-hmm. like those sorts of people. They love the mid range decks because yeah. it just it's just an endless stream of decisions and decision mm-hmm. trees and. You know, if I go down this line and this line and this line and this line, like where does that lead me? And and there's just so much thinking to do, and that's where those really good players can outthink their opponent. Like none of the cards are 
crazy powerful on their own. None of them are a two-card combo that just wins you the game. They're just all really good, solid, strong cards. And then the decisions that you make in how you utilize those cards is what gets you the win. And that's where someone like me with my mono red brain that just wants to turn dude sideways as quickly as I can just just doesn't enjoy it. <laughs> it's just not fun. Yep. Because my brain hurts too much and I can't make all those decisions. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I just want to counter four things and win the game with a single threat, but <laughs> yep. just too much value in <laughs> bolted onto all these creatures yeah, to exactly. be able to do that. Yep. Um, you say there's no like two card combos. There's some pretty nutty things that you can do with two cards in standard at the moment. So have you seen Chandra's Hope's Beacon in play? Chandra's Hope's Beacon? I don't even know yeah. what that is. So she's the new Chandra. She is- Six mana, so four red red for a Chandra with five starting loyalty with a static ability of whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, copy it. You may choose new targets for the copy. This ability triggers only once each turn. So worth noting, it triggers on your opponent's turns as well. Yep. Uh, And then it goes plus two, add two mana of any combination of colors. Plus one, exile the top five cards of your library until the next turn you may cast any instant or sorcery from among those exiled cards. Or minus X, it deals X damage to two targets. Um, so, yeah, I have seen multiple times people go, I'm going to tap out six mana, cast Crokies, cast Crokies, cast Crokies, <laughs> Crokies cast Chandra, right? And yep. then he pluses and then, uh, like, plays cut down and kills yep. two things and then untaps and then casts invoke despair yep or breach the multiverse which is a seven mana sorcery i don't know if you know what that one does nope it's five black black each player mills 10 cards for each player choose a creature or planeswalker card in that player's graveyard then put those cards onto the battlefield under your control then each creature you control becomes a phyrexian in addition to its other types that last bit doesn't matter but it's like Mill 20, pick the two best cards out of those 20. Right. Put them into play. And if you've got a Chandra in play, you get to do it twice. I mean, Chandra curves perfectly into a cleaved alchemist's gambit, so... Sure. We can just take all the extra turns. Just take all the turns. Why not? <laughs> Seriously. Who would do um, <laughs> Gee, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I think you've taken more extra turns than most people I know. <laughs> um, and the other card that I've seen people messing around with is Hidegetsu... Hidegetsu and Hidetsugu. Hidetsugu, that's the one. Yep. And Kiari, which is two. So it's um, two generic, two blue, and a black. So it's five mana total for a 5 4 flying legendary ogre demon dragon. <laughs> because, of course, <laughs> yep. it is. Uh, so when it enters the battlefield, you brainstorm, right? Yep. So draw three, put two back. And then when it dies, you exile the top card. And then target opponent loses life equal to its mana value. And if it's an instant or sorcery, you may cast it without playing its mana cost. So, I've seen people who are doing things like- People are yargling. No, no. He's like breaching. So, you brainstorm, put breach on top, even kill your hit it to you, dome them for eight. (laughs) And then, (laughs) like, yeah, it's it's a really interesting card. It makes some really interesting play patterns because it's attacking for five in the air. So, it's not even like you just have to kill it. And- you know, it makes things awkward for people to attack into because you don't know what you've put back on top. So, yeah, there is a card that deals 10 
I can't remember what it is. There's a red. Ah, it's yes, the red yes, sorcery that deals yep. 10 damage and yep. then it costs 10 it costs mana as well. 10, yeah. So yep. you can you can do that kind yep. of thing was the kind of meme version of this initially. But like just as a straight up value play, like it's just a five mana five four flyer. Like it just clocks. Yeah, the brainstorms. Yep. The brainstorms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, seems good. Yep. Seems really good. So there's, there's some of that going on. Um, and then like Esper Legends, which we've seen- a bunch, you know, we watched Tom play that a lot in our leagues. Uh, it's it's the same sort of thing, but you've got like Skrelf now, which obviously helps a humongous amount for, you know, giving things protection. So, there's, there's stuff kicking around that's um, it's, it's interesting to watch. So, I'm actually keen for the PT in that respect. Like, I think that there will be some, some really good matches and kind of working out which way people have built their decks and their sideboards. See how that kind of plays out will be. It'd be fun. Plus, mm. tile of a paper magic. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, well, a card that Esper Legends picked up that I played a bit of in the early access event was uh, uh, Rona, Herald mm-hmm. of Invasion, which is the new JVP. It pops off, man. It does, yeah. It's, so, it's one and a blue for a 1-3 legendary human wizard. When you cast a legendary spell, untap it, and then it's got tap, draw, a card, then discard. So, it loots, and when your deck is full of basically all legends you are mm-hmm. getting so much value out of this thing and then it's got five and a phyrexian black mana you can transform it at sorcery speed and then it becomes a five five with trample and it's got whenever a source deals damage to rona that source's controller exiles a card from the hand at random if it's a land you can play it or you can put it onto the battlefield otherwise you may cast it without paying its mana cost so i never got to flip it and mm. see the other side of it. But just the, I mean, we like, you know, it's obviously not Jace Rin's Prodigy, but part of the reason why Jace Rin's, Rin's Prodigy was so powerful was just that being able to loot every turn. Yeah. And just sculpt your hand. And, and when you can, and for Jace, it was once per turn. This, yeah. like in, in the, the, like I was playing a Saltai list, you can loot like three, three to four times a turn sort of thing, like without too much difficulty. It's... Yeah, quite good. And then going back into older formats, you've got uh, things like Mox Amber, which is a zero-mana legendary mm-hmm. artifact mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. untaps this thing. So, yeah, you can definitely get some some cool combos going with that card. It's Yeah, yeah I, wonder, I wonder if there's like a Kethos deck or something like that where you can – because that was like you can play legendary spells out of your graveyard if you exile other legendary spells and stuff like that. So Yeah, and Kethos is – yeah, it is. Kethos is banned in Pioneer. Oh. Probably it- not – yeah, I just looked Is it up. he banned in Alchemy? It's not legal not, in Alchemy. Not Alchemy. Explorer. Uh, Explorer, yeah, that's all. Yeah, Explorer oh, follows they've, they've the Pioneer. Same band list. Okay. Band list. So yeah. it'll be legal in Historic, but- Yeah, it's no in Historic, it's in Modern. It wouldn't be strong enough in, in not Modern. modern maybe. No. You, might, you might be able to find a, a combo for it in, in Modern, but yeah, pretty cool. Yep. So another card that I had a bit of fun playing that's, yeah, as you, as you mentioned earlier, that's seeing some play in a few of these decks is Atali. The, uh, mm. What is the- uh, What's the full name of it? Atali Primal Conqueror. Oh, yeah. Which I think we spoke about on the podcast, just to bring it up because for Matty P's sake, because on the other mm-hmm. side, it is a Blightsteel Colossus. Yep. But, man, this thing does some serious work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It slaps. <laughs> yeah. And it's not that hard to cast, like particularly in the, the you know, Rakdos reanimator lists where you are you are playing Fables and things like that, where you, you're making treasures. Getting to seven mana is not that hard. So, it's- 
Five red red for seven seven trample. And when it enters the battlefield, each player exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile a non-land card. Mm-hmm. You may cast any number of spells from among the non-land cards exiled this way without paying their mana cost. So I was reanimating this and then, yeah, just casting, like paying five mana to reanimate it and then casting a spell off the top of their library and a spell off the top of my library. And sometimes I would hit another Atali <laughs> or an Atraxer or something like that off the top of my library and just mm-hmm. cast that. And yeah, I had one turn where it's like I paid five mana and I put in a the Kunaros and mm-hmm. a Croxer. I think yep. that's the one. And that reanimates something when that comes in. And wow. so that got uh, that came in, gave something haste. I got Natali cast an Atraxer or something. It was like five mana and I just put like 25 mana worth of stuff on the field and <laughs> it was living the dream it was pretty gross yeah cool mm. cool card so yeah it gives gives us another reanimation target and i've heard a few people saying that they're actually finding atali a better reanimation target than a traxer like a is good but it doesn't close out the game as quick Sorry, what? as, as it, it doesn't close out the game as, as quick as atali like Atali can often represent more value because, like, Atrax is putting the cards in your hand. You've then mm-hmm. got to cast them, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. untap, have your Atraxa live and cast them, whereas Atali can just put so much value onto the battlefield that it can often be overwhelming. Sure. I don't know. I don't that's know. Just you you, you reanimate I mean. any of your seven mana creatures <laughs> usually when the game is my experience <laughs> with that sort of thing. They, they yeah, tend to yeah. generate massive amounts of- uh, <laughs> <laughs> massive amounts of value. Yeah. It's um it's kind of wild that like um red is actually the best ramp colour these days. <laughs> yes. <laughs> with Fable and oh I've forgotten what it's called. It's the format of uh, the big score. Two. Big score, yes. Yeah, yeah. Just like my goodness. <laughs> yeah. What, what happened to green? Green actually feels like the colour you don't get to play. Yeah, I mean moment. like looking at these challenge results, there is a four colour mid range list. Mm-hmm. And then there is a Abzan Legends list, mm-hmm. and they are the only green. There's, there's a red decks green in twenty represented. Oh, I'm going to scroll down further. Yeah. Yes, red green, red green in twenty second. <laughs> yeah, what happened to green? Green was so powerful. Like you remember, yeah. like Simic was just. Oh, yeah. It was nuts. But yeah, this um this red green list is actually a spicy new one, full of invasions. I, I actually played. A list similar to this on the early access event as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, you are you are ramping, but you're using the red green invasion, the invasion of Ergamon, mm-hmm. which makes treasure, and then you can uh, discard a card and draw a card, and then the invasion of Zendikar, which is the four mana one that uh, lets you search your library for two basic lands and put them onto the battlefield tapped. It's explosive vegetation. It is. Yep, yeah, with a and- four four vigilance haste on the other side. Sure. Actually, I've seen a few battles in play, which has been pretty cool. I've seen- Okay. How, how have you seen them going? Uh, pretty strong. Yeah. So, Invasion of Tarkir. I've seen Crocus was playing a bunch, uh, which is one and a red, and then it deals two to any target. Yep. And then it flips into a dragon. Yep. 4-4. Four, four. The 4-4, four, four which uh, closes out games really fast. Y- yeah. You should um see those where you, you copy them a bunch with- uh- <laughs> <laughs> when, so when you copy them a bunch with the fable, yeah, uh, that's uh, pretty pretty great. And then the other one that I've seen, actually, let me I remember what it was. It's the blue black one. 
which mills three and then you, your opponent discards and you draw. I think it's, um, there's so many cards to scroll through here. I just like, I'm looking at the deck lists and there is a mono red list that is $32. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> or seven tickets. In, <laughs> <you> got <laughs> in, invasion of Amonkhet is the one I was thinking of. So, yeah, when it enters the battlefield, each player mills three, then each opponent discards and you draw a card. Uh, and then when it flips, so it's got uh, four defense counters. When it flips, it flips into a 4-4 laser tip convert. And you may have it enter the battlefield as a copy of any creature card in a graveyard, except it's a 4-4 zombie in addition to its other types. Okay. So just a yeah, bit nice. of bit of value, you know. Yep. So I, I haven't watched any standard or mm. played any standard myself, but uh, as you said, you've been watching them play. Mm-hmm. With the invasions, the battles, mm. what are you seeing? Like, how are people treating them? Are they attacking them and, and flipping them? Or are they just playing them for the front side and that's it. Because I I'm, I sort of look at them like, again, I'm put, put my mono red hat on or, or my aggressive creature attacking deck hat on. Mm-hmm. If, I, I, if I look at a battle and go, all right, it's got four defense counters. I, if I total up the spell where it's like, okay, it costs me three mana to cast, does this effect, it gets this on the backside, so it makes this creature or whatever, but it also has the text, Get my opponent gains four life. Because that's effectively what it is when I'm attacking a battle. Sure. Rather than attacking their face. And most of the time I look at the the battles and go, it's not worth me attacking those. And and that's what my that was my experience playing the early access event was most of the time it's like, well, I could attack that battle and flip a creature, or I could just attack you and get you dead in two turns, and that was just always the better better option. So what what are you seeing? The context I've I mean mostly seen it in is mid-range mirrors from both sides. So getting someone dead quickly doesn't really matter. And it's it's been it's been a combination, which is cool. Like it's it kind of play, is playing out the way that we thought it would, where it's quite situational. So I mean the front side obviously has to be good. It has to like I haven't seen anyone play any that I'm just like, well that's just like a straight whiff of a card like that's just a waste of cardboard until you flip it and then that's hard to do. Like some of the really expensive ones, I just haven't seen. I remember there was the one that flipped into like Marchesa that we thought might be good. I just haven't seen it. Like the invasion of Alara seems really strong, but I just haven't seen anyone playing it. And I'm sure there's decks that do, but in terms of what I've been seeing people up to, it just isn't kind of around. So they're mostly playing them as spells where the ability is good. You know, like the invasion of Amonkhet is it's stop, right? Like it just kind of does that thing. And then if you look at it that way, where it's kind of like split cards or, you know, adventure cards, where instead of it costing you more mana, it costs you an attack step or two, then you can kind of just pick and choose when and how you want to flip them. So yeah, they're they're interesting. They do make the game an interesting decision point in both sides, where it's like, how badly do they, is your opponent scared of the other side? Sometimes they will block really weirdly to to protect it from you know like saving a planeswalker sort of thing so it's it definitely creates some interesting situations so yeah they they look the good ones look good they, they tend to be the cheaper ones i've seen which you know that's just the way magic goes right the the lower mana value ones tend to play see more play but i've seen like invasion of for new phyrexia in like the soldiers deck where it's making a bunch of knight tokens which seems a little odd but you know you can kind of if you're flooding out, you just spit out a bunch of two twos, and then you can kind of 
go from there. So, yeah, this they seem play for sure, which is cool. I'm glad that they're, they're making some impact rather than just stone nothing. Yeah, like most people I heard talking about it, uh, talking about them leading up to them being released was that they just had no way to evaluate them properly because mm-hmm. they you know they're similar to they're similar to an enchantment they're also similar to a planeswalker but a planeswalker generates value every turn mm-hmm. whereas the the battles don't they're, yeah like they're just sagas there. generate every turn as yeah, well yeah same yeah same as saga a saga every turn it's ticking up you're getting the value and and so on and then the ones we've got at the moment you know they they then when they finish they then flip over to something else and you're getting more value out of them so it, the battles yeah a bit more like an enchantment but i don't know of any of the battles that have like an actual like static or passive whatever the word is like a, a permanent ongoing ability on the front mm-hmm. side they're all like enters the battlefield abilities so the, so they come in, they do their thing, and then that's it. It just sits there. And so then, yeah, it, it just puts this awkward tension that I have no idea how to uh, evaluate whether it is worth attacking them or not. You know, and, and it's one of those things I, I remember, like, going back to when <laughs> what we were talking about before with um, when Simic was good. You remember there was a, a mythic something where Simic food was the top deck. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going into that, it was like, you know, we, we didn't really know how to evaluate food. Like, it was just a an artifact and you gain three life and it didn't seem all that that good. But the cards that relied on the, the food, like the wolf and, and different things like that, they were super powerful. And so, watching those top-level players play, they were, like, prioritizing destroying their opponent's food or preventing them from having ways to generate more food because that food represented more value in the game. And that's sort of where I see the the battles at now where it's like I have no idea how to tell if I should be attacking them down and getting them flipped and, and getting the benefit of the other side. Maybe we'll start to see that after the Pro Tour when we get to see these high-level players play or maybe we just won't see them at all. <laughs> they, they may just not show up and they just become a card type that it's like, okay, yeah, it's... It, Makes your Tarmogoyfs bigger, but that's kind of it. It's an extra yeah. card to get off a Traxxer. Yeah, yeah. And look, I, I'd be surprised if we didn't see any. Some of them seem like they are just good enough to see play. And they are they're much more situational than all of those other things that you just talked about. So, they're not so game warping like food tokens with a synergy deck. As strange as it seemed, I remember people, you know, playing like naturalizers and stuff like that to kill a token, which is just teams- insane but at the same time it's like killing a fable token is just a done thing like if you cut down one of those or whatever like that's fine you're not mad about it because it represents just more than the sum of its parts so yeah the battles are i i agree like i still don't feel like i have a great grasp on how they play out in the the broader scheme of things but there's definitely homes for them and they definitely make individual game choices more complicated for both players which is uh, a good thing, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Not for me. I don't, I don't want. I don't want to be more complicated. Yeah, too, too, hard, too hard. Magic's complicated enough. I'm just <laughs> like making my way through the deck list from this challenge, and I'm mm. I'm down to twelfth place, and I twelfth place is the first invasion or first battle that we're seeing. Okay. Two two invasion of New Phyrexia, which is the the X white blue one that makes the knights. Yeah. Yep. None of the lists above that have 
have battles. So interesting. That's yeah, it is quite interesting. I did also notice the uh, the mono blue tempo list five mm-hmm. tickets on Magic Online. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fifteen rares. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they play out at the uh, at the pro day. And, and we did sort of speculate when we first saw the battles that like these battles were all sieges. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, are we going to get battles in the future that aren't sieges that work differently? We mm-hmm. we don't know that. So it might be one of those card types where they have gone a little bit conservative the first time after they've been burnt with how many times they've uh, printed cards they probably shouldn't have when they're doing uh, new types. And, uh, yeah, you know, over the next few sets, like battles might become something that we see in every single set from, from now on. I, we don't know. We'll have to see. I, I hope not. But it also makes sense if you think of them as being a siege, as being like not a perpetual effect. Like a siege is a very slow thing. In terms of like real world wars, <laughs> you know, like they, the way that they happen <laughs> not, is not is when I'm playing slow. Warhammer Total War. That's just like instant auto resolve done. Sieges take like half a second. They're great. Nice. <laughs> I, I take your word for that. I've never played that. But, you should, uh, it's a very good game. Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's standard. So much of the same, but early days yet, and. Yeah, like listening to the podcast over the last week or so, you know, you're starting to hear about various pros or ex-pros, you know, top top level magic players talking about going to the testing house. You know, a lot of them will be mm-hmm. in a testing house from like this weekend or, or at least early next week and just be testing hard. So hopefully we go into the the PT and there is some new spice, there's some cool things, there's some, some fancy lists and... Yeah, people actually do something interesting. Otherwise, it's just going to be a whole bunch of mid-range soup, which, as we said, is it is interesting to play and watch. It's not my cup of tea, but it, there, yeah, there's just so many decisions to make, and watching those top players play those decks is is a really cool experience. So, even one if you're not into standard, that, I would still watch. Yeah, one of the things that make the mid-range soup um, interesting and good is excellent commentary. And people who know how their games play out and talk about all the different lines and they help you see more than you can see when you're playing yourself because obviously you don't see every line and even more than like just a streamer, like they see their one line that they follow through and they might see another one. But when you've got two other people who are able to see both hands, they've got perfect information. It gives you a really good holistic view on like, the way things play out. So it, you will actually learn a lot from watching events like this. And particularly if you're interested in the format, it's like you, you actually will just come away from the game that watching them better, even without having played any games yourself. Yep, definitely. All right. So yeah, we'll see what happens with that. And uh, yeah, we won't, there won't be a podcast next week to be able to talk about it before the event, but we will have one just after. So we will yeah break down the decks that we saw and who won and, how the coverage was and all that sort of stuff. So keep an eye out for that. Speaking of events and things coming up, we've got our beans stuff. So I thought I'd just give a quick rundown on what we've got coming up uh, before we close out the show. So yeah. next week, as I, as I said earlier, I received a box of goodies from our awesome sponsors, Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. And uh, one of the things in that box is a collector's box of March of the Machine. So 
Monday, next week, I will be mm. cracking that box on stream. I've got my permanent overhead camera set up, mostly for snack plate cam, but <laughs> it has other benefits of being able to do paper magic streams and I like uh, it. Yeah, do uh, pack cracking. So, yeah, Monday the 1st, I will be cracking that box, and I'll once I've finished cracking it, I will give the whole box away. So I'm actually Dibs. Look, <laughs> looking forward to cracking <laughs> that box because... This is the set that has the the legends, oh, the um, the serialized cards, and all yeah, that sort yeah, all of that stuff. sort of stuff. So you know, we might mm. crack a ragavan with a with a number on it or something like that, which would be pretty cool. It might not make it into the post <laughs> when I <laughs> send it off. But we'll see. Uh, so yeah, keep an eye out for that. Then we have our one day draft event coming up on the sixth of May. So that is actually the Saturday of the PT. So you can. Play in the event, have the stream open. Stream? No, there's not going to be a... Yes, the, sorry, the stream of the PT open mm-hmm. while you're playing in the draft event. I think Chewie's intending on playing in that, so, you know, you, you may get a stream out of him. But, yeah, that's free as always and uh, has cash prizes. Not part of the tournament series, just a one-off being run by our awesome mod team. So uh, get in on that. I think we're at about 15 or 16 players already signed up for that, so that's pretty cool. It's unreal. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Uh- Kamigawa draft, which was a much beloved format. So there's a there's a bunch of info on that. If you haven't checked it out, hop in the Discord, find the limited channel. There's info in there. Yep, absolutely. And then that Monday, so Monday the 8th of May, we're going to do the Commander stream we've been talking about for ages with some decks to give away. Again, thanks to Joshua Pat's MTG, MTG Bazaar, we've got four pre-con Commander decks from... Various sets over the last few months. And, uh, yeah, we're all going to sleeve those up, play them together on stream, and then give them away. So keep an eye out for that. Monday 8th of May. I'm excited, man. It's going to be heaps of fun. Yeah. So I'll, uh, I've got to make sure I get you guys the decks because they're all in my possession currently. So uh, that'll be good. I think we're actually going to get Polywaffle on the stream. Oof. Mm. It's Commander. He loves Commander. <laughs> he certainly does. He loves it. Yep, yep. And then, uh, yeah, we will have our next league kicking off, which will be the Explorer League. More cash to come with that, as well as the Invitational Points. And, uh, yeah, that'll be starting probably in the next two weeks or so. We're still finalising the details and the structure for that event. So that's going to do us for this week, Cracker. We've we've finally achieved the fabled short podcast. We have. Do we need to just, like, ramble for the next 15 minutes, or do we actually get to have an early night and edit this one quickly? Let's let's give people's ears a break. <laughs> <laughs> we could have done that from about the thirty second mark. Subject the intro music. Yeah. Hi, welcome to episode one sixty four of the Magic Lens Podcast. Done. Have a great week. <laughs> yeah. We won't subject your ears to this. Have a good week. Bye. <laughs> no, we love it. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, yeah, usual wrap up. Yeah. There's. Links everywhere in the show notes, all that sort of stuff for all of our things, our Discord, merch store, Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. Just go and check out all the things. It's always in the show notes or you can go to magicbeanscast.com. And, but, uh, yeah, the main thing out of that is come and join us in our Discord because it's a fantastic place to be and uh, we love we love seeing new people come and join us. It's, uh, it's always pretty exciting when they do. And, uh, yeah, if you do want to find us on uh, Twitter... We are at Magic Beans Cast. And if you want to find me on Twitter, I am at PSync. You are Cracker. At Joel Hill underscore. So that's going to do us for this week. Thank you, as always, for listening. Stay safe out there, and we will see you all next time. Bye.